What if you could simply trust all information on the internet? My name is Sebastian and I'm on a mission to build a trusted web for all of us on planet Earth. An internet where my parents, possibly my future kids and my own generation can find truth and feel safe. Because to save the world we need to fix the internet. In the Trusted Web podcast I embark on a journey with you, my listener, and thought leaders to explore what needs to get done. With this special thing called blockchain timestamps, all content you consume will be transparent and accountable. Welcome to the new default on the internet. Thank you for being part of this journey and let's build the trusted web together. And in this episode, I'm joined by Ed Bice. Ed has spent most of his professional life operationalizing idealism. What Ed and I seem to have uh, in common is that we both firmly believe that through open source solutions, we can build a better, more truthful internet. Ed is optimistic that our digital evolution and the changing face of journalism and publishing will trend us uh, towards a world that is networked for understanding. He's the CEO of Medan, which is a global technology not-for-profit that builds software and programmatic initiatives to strengthen journalism, digital literacy and accessibility of information both online and offline, to develop open source tools uh, for creating and sharing context on uh, digital media through annotation, verification, uh, archival and translation. Ed, thank you so much for coming on the Trusted Web podcast. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks. Uh, To set the stage, what is the state of fake news today? Uh, well, uh, I think we are, we are at uh, kind of peak fake news. Um, I think um, one way to, to frame it is that uh, four years ago, we saw misinformation motivate a single uh, individual with an automatic weapon to break into um, the Comet Pizza Parlor outside or in, in, in Washington, D.C., looking for children in cages and seeking to expose a pedophile ring. And um, that was a, a single individual. And in, uh, before then, you know, rather quiet uh, ping pong pizza parlor. Um, and four years later, basically the same narrative uh, motivated 10,000 people to violently storm um, the United States Capitol building. And the narrative was much the same. It was, uh, it was QAnon. Um, the fact that it was validated and forwarded by an extremely powerful individual goes part of the way to explaining that event. But I think that the deeper lesson for the world and for the internet is just, you know, the power of uh, false narratives, we should not underestimate them. And and nor should we underestimate the um, importance of better tools. And, And by that, I don't mean censorship. And I don't mean automatic, uh, algorithmic uh, takedown. I mean, I mean, better tools for transporting meaning and um, making uh, the, the, the internet a, a, a safe place to uh, evolve 
societies and governance and public health and and uh, and and climate science and everything that goes along with the uh, human pursuit in these in these uh, modern internet uh, fueled uh, information uh, uh, ecologies. And the, by the, the question would be, how, what does your organization do? How, how do you, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah what solutions are there? Uh, mostly we, we don't take ourselves too seriously. So we, we, you know, as we're trying to fix the whole internet, we do so with, with a sense of like, oh, geez, this is a really big deal. Um, we're a group of 30, you know, maybe 35 on a good day, um, engineers and public health experts and designers and, and program managers and administrators. And we, we are taking a certain angle on the problem. Uh, we are firm believers that context is the, the missing piece here. The internet does a great job of scaling and transporting and moving content. It doesn't do a great job of transporting context, right? If we had to choose one cartoon to, to ground our work, you know, it's, and, and it was like from the start of the internet, this caught on because people re recognized it. It was the, you know, the dog typing away on the typewriter. And, and, yeah. And typing, yeah. On the internet, no one knows you're a dog. You know, that, that's, that's is fundamental and essential to the, to the, um, uh, internet and it's beautiful in a lot of ways it allows people who otherwise don't feel like they can be part of a community or part of a group for whatever reason to to find that and 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 to to be able to come into these these digital settings but it's also just really horrible when it it comes to like the susceptibility to you know widespread and and really damaging disinformation narratives and and um so our tact on this is don't take ourselves too seriously be super creative yeah. um find the best people in the world to work with find yeah. partners like you know rappler maria ressa um uh, bellingcat elliot higgins uh the folks at syrian archive hattie the I, I'm, uh, I, once you start naming people and partners in an interview, you're doomed because yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm not going to mention all of them, but find the best people. Think really creatively about what, what, how you're, you know, this theory of change around annotation, verification, building context around digital objects, find the people who are committed to doing that and then really listen to them and, yeah. and bring out what they need in a product and and that's that's served us really well for 15 years um i i think that you know it's i i i want to disclaim that saying oh we're going to create a context layer for the internet you know that's that's oversimplifying yeah you know what's, because what's needed uh, can you unpack it what what does it look like for an end user yeah so i guess it started Maybe it's good to talk about context or where we started with context. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the context of our context. Um, but uh, we, we started um, 
Or I'll give you I'll give you a sixty second overview of the the arc of Medan, and and it'll probably turn out to be longer than that. But started uh, in two thousand three, really, and and um, at the start of Medan. I was not a technologist and, and still am, am not. I was, you know, had a background in philosophy and was re and, and traveled the world enough to, to like think that our going to war in Iraq was a really, really bad idea. I mean, in, in some ways the original uh, or one of uh, the early disinformation campaigns of, of the internet of the yeah. uh, social media internet era. Um, so I, I was arrested in San Francisco protesting the first day of bombing. Uh, I wrote an innocuous letter to a few friends. One of those friends wrote back and said, um, you know, uh, I want to publish your letter as a full page ad in the New York Times. And uh, I said, okay, that's amazing. Are you serious? And he said, yeah, I'm serious. I was like, wow, where did you get the money? He's like, well, I didn't tell you, but you know, I had some family foundation that he was able to deploy. Yeah. And I said, okay, if you're serious, I'll do this, but it won't be my letter. It will be translated opinions from Iraq and from Palestine and from Israel and from an American, you know, kind of put together on the New York Times and reinventing journalism and showing people that there are different narratives that come through when you look across language boundaries. And, you know, you can, you know, is looking back, it was pretty, you know, it was pretty naive and it didn't work, you know, okay. classically it didn't work. Um, like the business model didn't work. We received $3,000 in donations from a you know, I won't say how many, but tens of thousands of dollars spent on an ad. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and I've got it on the wall over here. So we did, we did run it. It, it, um, you know, it was a first effort, but we very quickly from that said, okay. And this is pre Facebook. We said, okay. Um, machine translation is a thing. Um, let's think about augmenting that through social networks. Let's think about how we can use a, a community of translators of varying competencies along with machine augmentation and an event, uh, a media event aggregator. So we're bringing together all the uh, media and commentary across Arabic, English, and at that time, those were the, our only two languages. And we'll create this project and it will allow the world to see, you know, events uh, through the lens of another language community. And, and it will allow people to interact on top of that across these languages. So it's a very idealistic early yeah. internet project. And if we would have just stopped at the social networking part in 2003 and launched a social network, you know, this would be a different conversation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so. We launched a translation project. We were really fortunate. MacArthur Foundation uh, got a hold of the idea and was like, oh, this is good. We want to support it. IBM uh, Watson Research Lab put 15 of their people on it for three years. Wow. We developed our own translation engine. Um, uh, we developed a, a social network with the Hursley team at, at IBM and, and kind of 
a crazy innocuous idea was suddenly put out into the world that had us building team in Cairo. And I'm, I apologize. I advertised 60 seconds. This is going to be five minutes and hopefully I fell into trap. No worries. Uh, uh, <laughs> hanging on lip. Okay. I'm giving you the story, which, which it's a pretty, it's a pretty good story. The need we had for editorial team and translation team in Arabic had us establishing, um, hiring our first employee in Cairo in 2007 um, and working with open source developers there. So it, it was the open source, it was the Arab techies that, that were at the middle of the event 10 years ago that, that changed Egypt at least for a while and had us all thinking that the internet was a profound, um, tool of change for a while. Um, and, and so when uh, Jan 25, 2011 came around, we were, in, we were in that community and we were doing translation work. Um, we, we worked around the clock for several weeks doing a ton of social media translation, uh, a phone-in audio translation project with Twitter and Google. Um, uh, you know, our, I, it, it was a profound time and still like the, the, to, in many ways, like the, 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 the best weeks of, of, of the, of the whole organization. When the dust settled on that, um, we looked at each other. We we're like, we've been translating and reposting all of this content and we have, we're doing so without validating who, who, who is coming from what the source was without, without checking the, the um, uh, anything having to do with the veracity of any of the images that we were um, uh, recaptioning and, 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 and uh, pushing around. So um, uh, a friend who was, who was studying the poets of, uh, of rural Pakistan sent me a Skype message because we were on Skype back in those days and said, oh, the Swedish Development Agency wants to know what the digital innovation is coming out of Arab Spring. And, we're, and we said, oh, the digital innovation that's really needed is a verification layer on top of the web. And all this work we've been doing on crowdsource translation, we can port those same ideas around crowdsourcing to verification. So in 2011, we started a check desk project, now check. Yep. Um, and we had that stood up for the first uh, Egyptian presidential election. And that was a way of bringing in, annotating collaboratively. We worked with Amostrail Yum, which was, uh, is a large um, uh, independent media organization in Egypt, monitored that election and it was amazing. So we were able to verify and background and, and find misinformation and that was the start of us working in misinformation. That was, it was kind of this, you know, there were other people working like Mark Little and the Storiful crowd. Okay, you could, other... uh, quickly um, unpacking <laughs> the annotation. What, yeah, is yeah. what is annotating for the listener? Yeah, so uh, annotating digital media for verification means, you know, checking the provenance of the image, running reverse image search, that's a classic case. Um, and we see a lot of misinformation that's just images that are taken out of context and repurposed that are showing some terrible event that actually didn't happen at the time and place they're referring to. How do you check uh, that in an open source way? 
so uh, good question. Uh, um, there, there are a number of services out there, um, and 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 a lot of those services like Tenai are not open source. Um, we are working on open source image detection algorithms. Uh, so Scott Hale at Oxford University uh, heads up our research, and we have uh, three areas. So we, so we work on uh, image clustering, uh, we work on text clustering, um, and and we're starting work on audio clustering as well. So yeah. in in all of those areas, uh, there the. I will give the platforms credit. They have been releasing um, uh, as open source some of the work that they've been doing in this area. So we're we're kind of drafting on that, building on that. But uh, you know, the I th I think that the you know um, and 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 to to pivot a bit from the story to the technology, um, the our core competency and and really the hard technical problems that we're trying to solve. Um, the collaboration is workflow. You know that's not hard. Um, clustering and detecting duplicates and being able to um, draw a line between a claim or a piece of text in one language and a, a similar related claim that might share no common words, no common translated words in another language. Being able to cluster those. So we can find disinformation that's moving between language communities or that's being phrased in different ways. That's, to me, that's a, a really core and challenging piece, piece of uh, uh, the work. And without that, if you're just thinking about images or you're just thinking about links, those are both important. Yeah. Both pretty low hanging fruit, but to do context at scale across the internet, You'd be able to, you need to be able to, to um, look at sentence level, um, look at audio fragments, um, and, and that feeds into doing video as well. So a lot of misinformation uh, is, is now moving through audio and video on closed networks, on encrypted networks, and that's an area we're working on as well. Wow. And how do you find truth or how do you see if something is fake or not is that a community of people is that um an algorithm how do you do that yeah definitely not algorithmic um and and you know and, and one disclaimer also is to say you know because we we frame ourselves as a context project we 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 work with fact checkers and those fact checkers assign sometimes values to a piece of content that are true but our kind of philosophical approach to truth is that truth is always contingent and that yeah. for any one claim in the world it can be true in one context and and misleading in another and so you need you need to approach the problem through a lens that that uh, accommodates that fact, and and um, and our, so our our approach to determining what's true is to build a tool that allows people to see a chain of evidence, a, a, a proof, as it were, um, uh, submitted by one of our partners. And right now, we work with a lot of IFCN, uh, International Fact Checking Network members. So yeah. there's a validating layer there. Um, Pointer Institute does really rigorous and annual reviews. So if you if you're not doing good 
peer-reviewed fact-checking work, you don't get that banner. And I think, you know, there's obviously problematic pieces there, um, but it's a pretty good solution at this history, at this point in the history of the internet for, for letting people say, okay, this is a validated, you know, approved fact checker. They're working through Medan's check tool. They've got this piece of content that they've assessed. I can see how they've made their assessment and what they're referencing, you know, and, and, and it's, you know, it's kind of classic investigative journalism techniques played out into fact checking. Super interesting. I spoke to the guys from uh, Pointer a few days back, and uh, it, oh, it's great. a great network that I set up. Yeah. yeah. What, what, what we aim to do in Trusted Web, and we won a prize with a, a grant with the European Commission for that, is through blockchain technology, open source technology, making a fingerprint of information of specific states of information, so revisions, putting that in a blockchain which can do two things. Firstly, transparency in an open source way, prove that you didn't tamper with information or media or whatever. And secondly, you can connect identity to to that timestamp. Is the person, is the company, all in an open source matter. There's the self-sovereign identity movement, for example. Um, Yeah, you know of that, of course. What we try to do is educating policymakers and big tech that the, the end goal is to make sure that in an open source way, transparency and accountability, the more transparency or the more accountability, the higher you rank in algorithms. Does yeah. that make sense? And how can that uh, combine with the, the open source stuff you work on? In a word, yeah, absolutely. I mean, in, 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 and we, 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 have, we are not built on blockchain. Um, so we, we, but we recognize that those virtues that we talk about, I mean, verification, proof, uh, uh, and reproducible um, arguments, all of these things hinge ultimately on, you know, how sure are you that this thing was authored by this entity over here at this time, you know, and blockchain is, you know, an amazing solution for that. Um, And, and so I think it's, totally consistent with our view of the universe. We don't incorporate blockchain right now, but I, I think that um, it's critical. And then kind of, you know, how reputation and, and trust gets coded and codified are, this is stuff that we've thought about for years and years and years. We've worked on reputation models there's, there's some really interesting stuff from um, our translation work. Uh, so we did, we did um, I think I can talk about it now. We did a human translation project for Facebook in 2013 and brought a bunch of our ideas around, um, uh, uh, it's, it, I think we called it a transactional model of reputation yeah. to that. Um, and I think that those ideas, you know, we'll, we'll try increasingly to port those over into our verification work. Um, I think that anytime you assign value on the web, which is what you're doing with reputation models, um, it, it's dangerous. And, and you know, companies like Google, Blackbox, and 
they have thousands of engineers every day working to defeat people who are working to defeat their, um, you know, value allocating uh, search ranks. And as as the internet makes efforts to introduce trust and reputation models, those are going to be based in some activities. And as those activities have value, people are going to try to defeat them. Um, and, you know, thus, thus blockchain. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm super supportive. I'd love to, you know, keep in touch and, and see if we can draft on your work. I think, I think our attention is on the workflow is, yeah, is yeah. on how, how best to accommodate needs of, of journalists and fact checkers and human rights investigators and how that data gets stored authenticated you know it's it's important stuff and right now it's it's not something we're working on no and but yeah it's, it's uh, this this can be a conversation for hours but let's try to wrap yeah. it up here for now um yeah. with the the perspective from open source and what you've seen over the last let's say decades what what's your expectation for the end of this decade where are we uh, the end of like like nine years from now. Nine years from now, record nine years from now, by the end of January. Yeah, we haven't talked about our digital health work at all, but I'll say we'll be out of the pandemic uh, or the pandemic after the pandemic. Um, uh, I think that I'm really encouraged by um, uh, what I read from Jack Dorsey. I'm um, I'm really encouraged about um, by the idea of blue sky. And the the notion that that we might have standards that yeah. start to replace the platforms and and my thesis or belief here is that platforms don't go away that they provide services on top of those standards and 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 that they do some of that really heavy lifting. Um, but I'm not sure that the tech investors of the world really are going to come around to that. Maybe by the end of the decade. But I'm I remain kind of net quasi-optimistic. It's been a very hard um, decade for the internet. And, and I think I think like the Egyptian revolution to me, for, from our experience, like that's the start of a decade ended last Monday. And I think the fact that it arced through the attack on the Capitol, yeah. I'm hoping is like this, you know, awful um, end of that that initial arc, and maybe we're going going to recover um, and and start to recognize that we need systems that that address the the dangerous um, uh, component of of this beautiful decentralized uh, internet that we have. We're quasi de decentralized, and I think that we're going to see uh, pressure on the platforms by regulators. That are going to tell them to uh, uh, bring context in when we've got you know public health damaging content, um, socially societal, you know, um, government uh, disrupting uh, content, um, you know. And I realize the irony in that some governments you do want to disrupt, and uh, and you know, creating a web that is is a knowledge generation uh, tool like we all imagined when we got into this, you know, 100 years ago. 
there's so much more to unpack there. Where, where can people at find the important work you you do with yeah. your organization? Yeah, so meetan.com is uh, a best place to start. Um, and uh, our blog is updated fairly regularly. Beyond that, you know, our amazing partners, you know, consume media from Boom and and India Today and Rappler and Bellingcat and Factly and Vishvas and Globo and Estadao and Lupa and you know all of the amazing partners that are using our tools. That's where we really want people to to go. And, yeah. And and yeah and and I, I appreciate the the chance to talk about our work. It's it's um, a, a great venue and and um, you know. In, enjoyed conversation and and uh, and hope that we can stay in touch on this larger uh, effort to improve the uh, the interwebs. Amazing, uh, Ed! Thanks so much for uh, coming on the show and for the important work you do. And I definitely love to stay in touch. And uh, yeah, we we always end the show with saying together, "Let's build the trusted web together." Is that okay for you? Uh, I'm I'm willing to give it a go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you do it first, I do it after. Okay, let's build uh, a better trusted web together. I think I botched it. <laughs> let's build the trusted web together. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Uh, thanks okay. so much, Ed. Okay, great. Thanks, Sebastian. That was Ed Bice on building a trustworthy internet through open source so far. He has such a track record, such an experience in building a better internet through open source software. Of course, go to the website where you can find the show notes or you can find them in your uh, in your in your podcast app. But the website is detrustedweb.org slash podcast. And what you will find there beyond the show notes is the report on the state of misinformation that we did as we surveyed thousands of participants across the globe to better understand the impact that misinformation has on their lives and how they view the problem. There are incredible findings there that surprised all of us over here so uh, go to the website and furthermore you will find other episodes other guests there's uh, educationals uh, there's yeah educational materials and uh, use cases all for building a trusted web and it's all available there of course for free detrustedweb.org podcast and thank you for listening and therefore being part of the trusted web journey and let's build the trusted web together.